Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divisio, that's D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, the all-new affiliate network for people doing good. I'm also the co-founder of TheLeveragist.com. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Hello from sunny Indiana. Uh, it's overcast here in Florida, but gorgeous as usual. I love it. Whenever I can beat Florida at a sun contest, it's, it's rare, but today is the exception. But I have a feeling our guest is going to top us both, Jack. I'm Excited about having Pam Bain on Leverage Masters here today. Pam is the director of operations for a group I joined just a couple months ago, the Evolutionary Business Council and Institute, uh, also known as the EBC. Pam has worked closely with Teresa Degobra, the founder and chief chair of the EBC, for many years. Now the EBC members have a collective reach of over 141.2 million people. Using Teresa's principles of influence, together Pam and Teresa are are creating, I can't even read that, are the creating one of the most revolutionary intentional communities being created in Costa Rica. Pam is also a writer and is the former president of the Calgary Holistic Chamber of Commerce. I am excited for Pam to be talking us, to us today about influence and how it gives you more leverage. Welcome, Pam. Hi, uh, Gina. Um, so great to be here with you and Jack. I'm so glad you could make it, Pam. And, and yes, I think I win the sun uh, contest. I'm in Costa Rica right now. Oh. I had a feeling you'd win. <laughs> Uh, we can't top that. Even with our combined powers of Indiana and Florida, we can't top that. So, And I have to give so, you a heads up. You might hear the occasional parrot in the background. I have no control over the parrots. <laughs> and why didn't you tell everyone what you're doing down in Costa Rica? Uh, well, uh, with Teresa, we're developing a different kind of intentional community. It's with thought leaders, authors, trainers, people who, another way for them to share their work as a community and also to share it with their families. Um, it's, it's actually a very cool opportunity. It's called Vista Mundo, which means world view. Oh, awesome. Someday, I can't wait to be there. <laughs> I'm on my way. I'll pick you up. I'll be, there, I'll be there in nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Before we do that, I've never, this is a, a, a marker in the show. I don't think we've ever had anyone apologize for living in paradise, and there might be some noise in the background in the form of exotic birds that are wild in <laughs> paradise. So that's a first. <laughs> I think that is the first. That's all right. Well, Pam, we'll start you out like we do everyone every week. What is it that's that's getting you out of bed in the morning with a fire in your belly ready to greet the day? What's the most coolest thing you're into right now that you're really excited about? Um, and well, it's been the same thing for a while. It's actually the Evolutionary Business Council, the EBC, and the Institute, um, because I get to work with amazing people every day who are changing the planet. And, and, you know, that's that's influence on steroids. Yeah. What about some examples? So what, what kinds of people are you working with? How are they 
you know, what's your favorite example or two of, of people doing that great work? Uh, Dr. Sean DePerrin, who was actually um, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize last year. She has been, uh, she, her project is called Project Forgive, and it's really looking at forgiveness and the impact of, you know, tragedy in life, circumstances, what have, what have you, and people being able to let go of the pain. I personally uh, talked with Dr. Sean, and it made a profound difference in my life that it changed to actually how my family communicates. Wow. That is awesome. I love that. And, and today we're talking about uh, influence and the leverage of influence. Um, how does that work in your world? I imagine it's the same as everywhere, but it's always unique to <laughs> your group and your style and, and what it is your mission is trying to accomplish and everything. But uh, what do you, what's it mean to you um, to enact or have a program or be facing in the direction of leveraging influence in your business or uh, the way that you see other people in your group using that? Okay. Well, and, and to, to us as an organization, influence is when people know, like, and trust you. I'm defining it because that's specific to our organization. We, we don't have a competitive nature. We have people teaching similar principles, um, often you know, looking at similar audiences. But what we find in our community, um, when people leverage their influence, they actually end up working together and creating more influence in their, in their world, in their business, and providing more services to their clients. Awesome. So how, how does your organization grow? Um, what kind of outreach do you do? How do people become part of your sphere of uh, influence of your own for the EDC, but also uh, just to grow and, and, and meet new people and bring them into the fold? Well, we have uh, an invitation-only policy. We do occasionally have the Maverick who will reach out to us and apply, um, and we have to kindly say, well, it doesn't work that way. We actually have to get to know you. Uh, so our members actually bring us or introduce us to people who are similar mindset, uh, you know, the, the idea of non-competitive, the changing the world. We, t we call it the one-to-many conversation where they're not just doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. They're actually doing online um, programs. They're writing books. So they're influencing large groups of people. Um, just to share with you, we do have a mission uh, in our organization. It's actually to grow 1,200 thought leaders that each reach a million people so that we can bring transformational principles to 1.2 billion people in the world. We're very specific on the number of 1.2 billion. It's because that's the tipping point. Um, that's the point when um, thoughts and ideas are quickly adopted through the rest of the population. 1.2 billion. Okay, I'm going to adjust my number here. I'm erasing. Okay, got it. I am going to uh, do whatever I can. Maybe today will help a little bit in, in that endeavor <laughs> to help you move closer to that goal. Uh, hey, w could, would you mind us getting a little bit philosophical for a moment? Sure. <laughs> I just want to ask whenever anybody's doing anything remotely like this, and this is a big one, you guys have a really big goal and, and, uh, and mission, but what do you think is, is, I mean, one thing I heard, one of my favorite artists, um, John Butler from the John Butler Trio. I was listening to him while I was working yesterday. And he stopped his show for a question and answer, and he said, um, he said something about television, and he was talking about, you know, as soon as you turn off the TV and you stop listening to news and all that stuff, you find there's a lot of really cool things happening. There's a lot of good happening in the world if you only have the eyes to see, and you don't if you're always watching you know, the bad, seeing the bad, experiencing just a constant onslaught of bad news. And I've been kind of saying that for years. I'm like, as soon as I turned the TV off, I stopped watching news and everything. I had the bandwidth to see all the good 
that's out there, which absolutely and always far outweighs the bad. And I imagine you have the same kind of philosophy, or at least the, not a philosophy, but the same kind of outlook. And you get to see a lot of people, a big concentration of people who are out there to do good in the world and the kinds of effects that they're having in the world. Can you explain what that's like from mission control inside your organization, being able to see all of that stuff and work with all of those people. What, what's your worldview like because of that, because you see just good stuff happening all the time? Well, it, to be honest, it's, it's phenomenal. It is um, no two days are the same. And I do de- describe working with all these thought leaders a bit like herding cats because they have so much passion and they care so deeply. That's the thing. Sometimes if you see someone online, you think, oh, that's just what they're saying. But our members, they care so deeply. They actually care for each other so much. They want to see each other succeed. We have our live events, and that's actually where I got to meet Gina a few months ago in Florida. And it is almost beyond description how someone would stand up and share what their mission in the world was. And the hands went up, so how can I help you? What do you need? How can, how can we further what you're causing in the world? Um, so part of the journey is finding like-minded people. And that's what our organization is about, it's like-minded people. Um, everyone, you know, occasionally we get someone who goes off the rails a little bit. Our organization is not about marketing or to ourselves or, you know, um, or I should say within ourselves. The idea is an organization, a, a group of influencers, is how can we support each other so everybody's influence grows. And, and the reason we actually know that we're at 141.2 million is we've decided how do we know what kind of influences are unless we actually look at our own numbers. So we started to look at that and call it... Um, and that's really when we kind of stood back and went, wow, this has impact. This, um, yeah, that's a, I guess that's where I was going with it, that as a group, we have impact. And again, these people are so giving. They so want to see positive things in the world. Now, um, you did ask, Jack, you did mention about the media. Sometimes it's because people who have great stories don't step forward with them. So part of what we do, sharing what, uh, the triumphs of our members, is so that, again, there's another message out there. But the media is kind of, they get vilified occasionally. But if you go to them with a really good story, they will put it on. We just need to encourage more people to take that step, that there's someone who actually wants to hear what's really good in the world. See, I think that a lot of people must think kind of like I do, I guess, that mm-hmm. the news would just reject your story because, it, I mean, you know, just from demonstration every single day, sometimes 24 hours a day, they seem to want to put on the opposite. They seem to want that stuff. But, I've, I've you know, I belong to a couple of groups, big ones on Facebook. Um, I even, mm-hmm. you know, belong to, I, I follow Huffington Post's Good News. I follow the Good News Network. I follow Project Happiness. And I make those things come up first. I follow them um, completely so that anytime I get on Facebook, if they have new updates, I see their stuff first. And I think a lot of people are learning to curate their experience. And I think we've curated our ways out of that possibility that you just mentioned. Like, Like it's possible that news could change. Like there could be more of what we know to be going on in the world if only we all were aware that if we brought them something, even though it was good news, they might even still publish it. Well, and I, and I think it comes back to training. I think it comes back to an understanding that it is possible, but oftentimes people actually don't know how to talk. It's one of those things that I've had to learn through coaching over the years. That's why it's awesome mm. how many awesome coaches are out in the world. But specifically around the media, oftentimes people don't even know how to be in front of a camera. It does take training. So look for someone who teaches that um, so that you can represent what you really want to share with the world. Because otherwise you get up there and the the news person has a job to do. And they usually don't have a lot of time because they've got their producers and they've got a time restraint. They've got, you know, 20 minutes to set up for the shot. They've got to take it and they've got to rush off. It's a bit like you sitting up for your show and someone doesn't show up or they come unprepared. 
you kind of have to go with the flow. But um, same with a news person. So really learn what they need so that their job is easy. And then guess what happens? They'll phone you back and say, hey, that person was so great on this topic. I wonder if there's another story they have. Right? And again, it's that influence. If you want to influence the media, you have to meet them where they are. And they're, they're professionals, but they're in a hurry. They don't have a lot of time. So you have to come knowing what they need. So it almost sounds like this is something that EBC puts together and helps your influencers with. Am I, am I right? Um, or? We have, uh, well, not us specifically. We are more, think of this as a mastermind on steroids. So every, we have lots of experts in different areas, media training, um, uh, influence. Teresa de Grobois is an influence expert. Uh, so we have different areas of uh, specialization. Within the organization, um, members will seek out other members for training. Like the one thing I know about all our members are they're lifelong learners. They never stop learning. They, they all have coaches. That is, and some have more than one. Okay. Um, okay. Because you... It, when you're out in the world, you can get tunnel vision. So that what the coach does is make you realize, okay, you're doing the same thing in the same way, getting the same result. It's not the result you want. What do you need to change? So the same with the media. If you're getting okay. the same result, what do you need to change? So when I mention media training, I'm speaking in, in out in the world, not specific. Uh, that, that's what we do for our members. We provide opportunities that some, some of our senior members uh, actually get on calls several times a week. We have different calls for our members to meet online to discuss one particular aspect. It could be social media, changes in social media. It could be me, uh, you know, how to speak in front of uh, uh, you know, a news person. Um, like any organization, we have senior members and then we have some junior members and each have different skill sets. But again, they share their knowledge so that the whole community gets to grow. Okay. So you're the connector. You're the hub. You're the one that brings the, you're the organization yeah. that brings people together and says, hey, these guys over here could really use your help. You could use their help over here, blah, blah, blah. That's a great position yeah. to be in. I mean, because, again, you get to see it like a, like a giant control panel of all the good stuff that's happening, all the connections that are happening all of the mini leverages that's, that's, that are getting pulled in here and there. And, and, uh, and then just, ah, it just must be really cool to watch. Well, and I'm going to share this story because it, it happened actually a couple of years ago, and it's one of those ones you know you have influence when. Uh, Teresa got a text from someone. We were in a meeting in the office, and, and she got this text and went, oh, Janet Atwood texted her. I mean, you would have heard of Janet Atwood. She's the the, the passion test, uh, awesome awesome mm-hmm. speaker, trainer, great lady. And she gets a text from her. Says, "Hey, I'm, I'm in a cafe in Paris, and I was just talking about you and the ABC." So it was like that was a cool example of influence, and they happened to just talk about the Evolutionary Business Council and Teresa, and, and Janet said, "Oh, I should let her know." Um, to me, that was an awesome example in real time of influence happening. And like you said, influences people, you know, know, like, and trust you. And then the next step is they talk about you. We, we do a lot of connections within the membership, but also outside. Our, our organization is only, you know, between the institute and the council level, a couple hundred people. But outside of that, we have thousands of connections. Because not everyone is ready to step uh-huh. into our organization or, or they're not quite ready. We have a lot of emerging thought leaders who aren't quite ready to be part of what we're doing. Uh, so uh, what we do is we, we do all these connections. And one of the best things I've found about uh, when you connect someone, the person who gets the, uh, the influence is actually the person doing the connecting. Because when the people meet for the first time, they actually say, hey, you know, Pam just connected us. Wasn't that awesome of her? And I'm not saying that in a pat on the back kind of sense. I'm more the power of connecting two influences together. They get to connect to change the world. But you also get part of the energy that comes along with that connection. Well, uh, Dana and I know that pretty well. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, we were always teaching people to, you know, have um, have that sort of influence among the people that you, you know, your associates with and everything. A lot of people don't even know how much influence lies in, in their connections. Um, they yeah. just use their connections and then move forward in their business goals, and they don't ever look at themselves as, hey, I've, I've amassed this network of people that I communicate with on a fairly regular basis, or I have a podcast, or I have lots of previous guests from a, a video blog. or um, and, You know, I don't think a lot of people, well, from our experience, a lot of people don't think first and foremost about what they have sitting in their laps with that and the amount of leverage that they have. It's very rare to see somebody who's mastered the art of taking advantage of, full advantage of that leverage and even recognizing that they have it in the first place, which I imagine is a topic that comes up a lot in your circle. Well, it does. And actually, uh, one of the things, it's, it's in Teresa's book called Mass Influence. She actually wrote a book on how, do, how does mass influence work. And, um, and most people think it happens out there somewhere. But really, mass influence is, again, people know, like, and trust you, but they're all talking about you at the same time. That is mass influence. Uh, well, your definition is. Yeah. But the next key is spending it, which is what you're talking about. So when you spend your influence, what does that look like? And there's a fine line because marketing is, is – or it's not even marketing. Marketing is part of life. People get a bad rap sometimes. Um, but when you try to influence with force, that's where most people associate with marketing. And marketing is really not. Marketing is really about how do I get my message in front of people? And in such a way that they actually are inspired to do something about it. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so back to spending your influence. It's about how do you spend it in such a way that everyone gets to benefit. And that's where the Costa Rica project came out of, is we're kind of spending our influence in developing this community, and other people get to play with us. It's a, it, it's a, it's a fun project, I've got to admit. <laughs> well, you couldn't pick the better thing. I mean, some people think it's really fun to go study penguins in Antarctica. And um, <laughs> and I think that might be fun if Antarctica was like Costa Rica and penguins like to live there. <laughs> but for me uh, and for I'm a lot of people, that's just a... People, that's just a... So I was going to say, go I'm originally from New Zealand. I'm originally from New Zealand, which is close to Antarctica. And we have penguins, but we also have summer. So, you know, you can study penguins and not have to be in Antarctica. I'm just letting you know now. Oh, there we go. So there is a way for even me to fit into that world. <laughs> influenced you now that you want to go to Costa Rica. I mean, sorry, well, you want to go there anyway, but I mean, I've influenced you. You can go to New Zealand now. Oh, I almost did. I, uh, I almost did. There was a place there that was already set up as a um, – a bird watcher's paradise, and uh, the price was right and everything else, and I just didn't have the courage. I was like, gosh, move out of the country, but this is so beautiful. It was made for it. It was already in all of the travel guides, and it already had like six or 700 people that came every year solidly. You know, it's a business, ready, ready to go yeah. with all the facilities and everything. So I was almost there. And I probably would have been able to apologize for maybe some howler monkeys or something going off on today's call had I the guts at the time to to pull that trigger. Yeah, uh, but you know, hindsight it's always twenty twenty. So. Yes, yeah, true. Well, that property is now well over my budget. <laughs> it's also a lament for the investment opportunity that I blew as well. <laughs> but you know, yeah, we we. I can't. I, I love having more and more excuses to be in Costa Rica. So you've given me one more to come see you guys. So that's great. I've added that. That would be awesome. But but back to spending your influence. So it's one of those commodities. You spend your influence in appropriate ways, um, and I'll, I'll get to the appropriate ways in a second. But you spend your influence, and it actually grows more. It's it, it kind of you because when we think of spending, we think spending and then the money's gone. But in the influence, when you spend your influence, you actually get to have more because you're associated with other people who are influential. Now, um, when I say spending appropriately, sometimes and I've seen this happen to Teresa and many other speakers, they're on stage and they they 
talk about their, what they're doing in the world, and, um, and then they get off stage, and someone who is so excited to see them runs up to them and says, here's my book, will you endorse it? It's like, you haven't seen the person before, you don't know what the book's about, you kind of go, whoa, and then they take a step back. Um, that kind of blew you as far as gaining influence. The best way to do is go up to them and say, so loved what you talked about. I have a small, I have a following on social media. Can I shout out about your book? Can you send me a little information and I'll send out some, um, some posts for you. What you're doing is you're building a relationship. With influence, again, it's relationship. Um, and that way you can, you can create a connection there and you're influencing your followers to say, hey, Teresa Grobois is an amazing speaker. You've got to hear it. And just so you know, she is. I'm not just saying that because I work with her. She really is amazing. Um, but, but you get to build the relationship. And within building the relationship, that's when the influence comes. Yeah. Well, and you build something that matters, or you're, you're beginning to build something that will matter a lot over a long period of time rather than a, you know, a one-hit, you know, kind of like autograph seekers. You know, they yep. stand in line and wait, and, you know, uh, marketers go to conferences and spend money on tickets, and they wait and wait, and to <laughs> squander the opportunity to finally see them when they get off stage, meet somebody, meet somebody you've been wanting to connect with on such a, a quick turnaround, which isn't even the case because people rightly back off and go, I, I don't know what this is all about, but nobody taught you about influence, so I'm going to walk over here. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I see that a lot. I've seen that a lot. So it's, it's amazing that yeah. people don't innately know more about how to do these things, but it really is um, something that's like ongoing education around here. Well, yeah, exactly. But that's because you're in, in a world that has already experienced that. So it's new people, and, and maybe it's their first book, and, and they're just, they just get so caught up in the moment. I'm sure afterwards they go, wow, I blew that one. Uh, but but it's, it's like these things can be recaptured. You don't want to stalk them. You don't want to pester them with emails. But you just reach out and say, hey, you know, I know my, my request at the event was a bit off. What I'd really love to do is how can I support you? What can I do to send out for you? So there, you know, you could you could attempt the repair. Yeah. Well, I, again, we just had an example of that not too long. Well, just yesterday, actually, things are coming um, into play that a couple of months ago, Gina and I had no idea. We hit a complete wall in how to get in with a certain company that we really have an ideal solution for. Um, and but gatekeepers and um, guards and everything else and false information, bad emails, bad phone numbers. We were just at the, our wits end. And because Gina has seeded um, the world so long for so many years with her influence and sharing her influence with other people and networking constantly, something someone we hadn't talked about for a while just came back into our lives, and wouldn't you know that person has a connection that we need. It's the only person we know, of course, because we had hit a brick wall, so we were just stuck. We didn't really know what our next move was. We started playing other cards um, and doing other things and had kind of left this to lie. And the only reason that that person um, is becoming so instrumental in all of this and helping so much with this connection, this networking, is because of all the things that Gina had done in the past. So you talk about spending influence. This is kind of like banking it, like putting it in the bank. You don't know where some of these things are going to go. You don't always have to know what the immediate outcome, if any, might be um, because you can just put it in the bank and say, hey, maybe nothing will come out of this, but maybe someday, maybe in this case years later, something will come out of it. And she, if she hadn't banked that influence back in the day, we probably wouldn't be experiencing the week that we're experiencing right now, which is just on a scale that we have not really talked about in a long time. It's really amazing. So, man, is it valuable what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and I love your real-life example because I agree with you. It can't, you can't put 
limits on how your influence is going to work and how it's going to show up. Because as soon as you do that, you're playing the small game and you're not going to actually create influence. You're just going to be spinning your wheels. So it really is about how can you support people? What can you do for them? That's the first people. If you, you have something come up, like you have a book launch, people say, how can I help you? What do you need? Um, you know, it, it's quite phenomenal because I see that, like you, I see that on a daily basis. I see people saying, hey, I'm just starting my book launch. 200 people show up or whatever. I'm not just saying the EBC, but, you know, if a true influencer has so many people show up who want to assist them in getting to their goal. And again, while they're doing that, they're growing their own influence. Um, I, I just want to quickly bring in the thought of, because it popped in my head, Oprah Winfrey, who is like a maven of the globe on influence. So you say her name and everyone goes, oh, Oprah. Um, mm-hmm. So many people want to reach out to Oprah because they want to, want to touch a little bit of that. I'm going to suggest that they look who else is in their area who, you know, you do want to reach up to people who are more, uh, have more influence than you. But also look to see who is around you and also maybe who's emerging as a thought leader. Because you never know. Oprah was an emerging thought leader at one point. Yeah. It's, it's those connections. You can't it's just true. look to see. Yeah, you can't just look who are the big guys playing. Who's playing with you right now, but who's coming along to play? Because you never know. They may suddenly, they have 100 million people in there uh, that they're connecting with. So, so it's one of those. It's, it's always good to have a 360 view of where you are in your, in your actual business or what you're actually doing. Yeah. Oh, man, there's so many, um, there's so many slingshots uh, in, in everybody's industry, in every business, where if you're only looking for those big guys and you're not taking some time to be available for and talk to and do favors for people who, I don't want to say below, but people who are starting out, and they don't have as much influence as you. They don't have as much going on. If you're only looking for the bigger guys, well, everybody's, you know, kind of catapults past. And, I mean, I've had mm-hmm. people I, – I remember when a guy called Mike Filsame, he's a famous marketer, uh, came into a forum one day just as green as you can possibly be. And he was just asking the same questions. He would say dumb questions. There are no dumb questions. But he was asking beginner questions. He was – you know, and I'm sitting there going, who is this guy? He won't shut up. He's a real go-getter, but he's really just like every single thread and everything. I'm like, ah, man, he's really after this, but he's kind of annoying. Cut it out. <laughs> and then, and then, I mean, it wasn't but weeks later that he started to become the Mike Filsame that we in the business in, in Internet marketing know today, who is way, way further past uh, in many, many ways he's developed bigger businesses than me he's done all these crazy things and I was like man I'm so glad I was nice to him when he was coming up you know I was because he it was just amazing that that happened because that was the first time that that had happened since I had been in the business myself and I'm like good lord some of these people that you talk to on a regular basis or who are around a lot that you've never seen before but they just keep showing up those are probably people who might continue to show up. And if you keep showing up, you're probably going to show people up <laughs> and really grow and become quite an influential person. So I agree with you. You have to look in all directions and just spread it yeah. out there. It's fertilizer. It's, you know, things will grow <laughs> in every direction because of it. Yeah. And, and the other aspect of that, too, comes into influence and integrity because – it shows when you are trying to promote someone who you actually don't believe in their message. It shows up on a, well, I say on an energy level, but you tend to not to follow through as much as if someone you really find that you are connected with. And the integrity part comes in. If they send you copy, and, and for those who may not know, copy is the written component for social media, um, you know, your Twitter post, your Facebook post. If they send you copy that's not really good, don't send it out. I would send it back to them, and I have done this, and said, okay, I can't send this. A, it's either wrong format. B, it's just really bad. And, and, and I, I, I just so you know, I am a nice person. I do say it in a nice way. I just say I can't use this, 
And I give them examples. I might take one and change it slightly. I do not have the time to edit everybody's social media to make it perfect. But I would yeah. give them a quick lesson on this is what works for us. And um, because I find that would, you know, benefits them. But I have told people, I can't do a mailing for you because we have a limited number of mailings we can do. Or, or you could burn your own list. Like you could, people get too much of anything and they'll just start unsubscribing. So we, I actually, we do what I call the yes, no counter offer. Yes, I can do this. No, I actually can't do that. The messaging isn't for our, our audience. Or counter offer. I can do some social media, but I can't do a direct mailing. So again, it's it's saying I'm I'm going to assist you know use my influence to build your influence, but I'm going to do it in an appropriate way. That is where the long term relationship comes in. And sometimes when people hear no, they go, oh, they they write you off. No, just means in that moment that doesn't work. So I'm going to say if you ever had no, go back and say check in again later. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's also a, a test. You know, if anyone who you've done that good of a job constructively handling a situation, which turns out to be a no at the moment, if they go away mad, they're probably yeah. going away forever. And, and yeah. that's, you know, we have to be very careful because when you start to become Oprah-ish, in your niche, and people know, um, then a lot of people start coming, and, and most of those people are in the same pool of statistics of the people who won't be around this time next year. And, and so you have to use leverage, like, like you mentioned, push people to, here's how we would, here's what's worked for us, and then have something prepared so that you can be very helpful, but you don't have to be helpful in terms of time which you don't have to give. But if you had put some forethought into, man, a lot of people are coming to me with this kind of thing. Let me put a page up real quick that I can push everybody to the next time that this happens. It'll be very helpful. It'll be seen as a really great thing. I, ha I hardly see anybody ever doing that stuff. So it's got to be kind of a shock to the system. Wow, this is really cool. And then you've handled something very well. You haven't had to handle it with time, too much time anyway. And um, and you still have protected and, and grown your influence uh, potentially. Plus, and, but because there's so many people out is, there. <laughs> well, and plus the goal is that they put out of something of quality. Because sometimes, especially emerging thought leaders, they're so empowered. And I've watched some you know, YouTube videos on how to do social media, but sometimes they, they have too much in a message. Like, no, no, one thought. People can take one thought when you're sending out a Twitter. You can't have ten things in there. So things like that. So, so no, I agree with you. Most people do come back and say thank you. And like I said, I'm, like you in business, you get told no many times. You just learn to say, well, it's no in the moment. There might be something else that works for that person. Yeah. You know, you touched on something just now that I've always wanted to, and I think you're the perfect person to ask, namely because we're on and talking right now, but that I know that you have experience talking people through uh, this too much information or, or the wrong information at the wrong time. Now, the remedial way that people are handling this or trying to talk to each other in shorthand right now is they'll call things like this funnels the, you know, mm -hmm. and the customer journey and things like that. But it's really a lot more than that. It's not just give someone something of really big value to blow their mind and then blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of people who still, even though we're getting closer than we ever have been before, as far as people, you know, when they learn about marketing now, it won't take five minutes before somebody's talking about the customer journey and the funnel and when to drip things out is not really covered, how to drip things out, what to drip out. And the reason that people who teach this stuff can't be very specific is because they don't know the industry of the person who is asking. So that's fair. Mm -hmm. But what do you tell people in terms of – the people who are being very successful right now have surprisingly simple, stark, um, pithy messages. Like you start to think, wait, are you messing with me? Because this is so basic – and I'm used to somebody telling me I have to do five points of this and 12 steps of that and everything else. 
But then I have to think a little bit longer and go, but that was really valuable for them to have spent the time to really go deep into that instead of going wide into a whole bunch of things. And now I'm even learning how to appreciate that people are taking the time to put videos and uh, all kinds of messages up and things that, are, that really just touch on one thing but deeply. How do you talk to people about that and just kind of pull back the reins because everybody in our world who are creators, who are publishers, who are coaches, who know a lot of stuff, they're very expert at what they do, they're very passionate, and the first thing that they seem to want to do is just puke it out all over the page and just get everything out. How do you, how do you talk to people uh, or maybe you can give an example of how someone has kind of mastered the art of just doing simple, 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 and lead people along and have the patience to put together a chain of information that will get to the end point, but not right now and not all at once. Yeah, well, just so you know, I was one of those spewers. I used to, like, I have a thousand things and you need to know them now. So I learned that, <laughs> um, and actually it's right, I learned that from Colin Sprake, he uh, his uh, uh, his company is Make Your Mark, and uh, he takes mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and really gets them solid grounding. And what I love about Colin, he doesn't talk clients. He tells people this. He tells you know, the people he works with too. He talks about hearts and minds and seats. He takes it to what do the human beings he's connecting with need, and I think that's where it's going back to. They need one thing. And what that one thing is, is knowledge. But you can't give them everything. You have to give them what's the first step. Well, this is the first step on the journey of what, what you're doing. So it comes back to, um, it's even in emails, I don't know about you, but um, I don't read befo- below the fold. Um, and, and for those who don't know the term, it's, it's what fits on your screen. I don't have time to look at the second half or the third half or the fourth half and I'm, I'm being silly here, but some emails and some copy are that long. Um, like you, I like it simpler because I don't have the time. Um, what is the statistic? It's something like uh, if you looked at someone who was during Shakespeare's time, during Elizabethan time, we get more knowledge from one, new, one newspaper, you know, more than they would get in their whole lifetime. That's how much information is coming at us and with social media. So, and... And simple doesn't it can be deceptive because you you hit the nail on the head. You said you know there's value they're giving you they're going deep on one aspect. Um, so so I agree with you. I, I don't know if I can add anything more to it at this point, but but really it it's well actually I do know what I'm going to say. Sorry. <laughs> there, there <laughs> Go a, for it. I'll blame it on a parrot. I'll say there was a parrot in the background distracted me. Um, what I'm going to say is is Ask the people that you're actually going to reach out, that your audience. You can put a question on Facebook. I'm thinking about doing blah, blah, blah. What do you think about this? You may get a thousand replies, or you may get five, but it will inform you. Did the question touch people's lives? And you can also ask them to share it. Like you can share a link to a survey. Um, I've had some astonishing things come back when I've done that. What do you really want to know about? What's important? And I can't remember who said it, but it's like, what is the pain of that situation and how are you solving the pain? Right, what's the pain point? Um, uh, because finding that out, that's what people want. And they always can't always articulate it because oftentimes they'll give you the airy-fairy stuff. But if you, if you yeah. work and look at yeah. what questions, what the people that you admire who have those very clean questions, very uh, uncluttered, uh, material that they're sharing. What are the questions they're actually asking of you as they're doing that? Because usually there's a there's a there's a way for them to gauge what what how is your reaction? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I well, it's just having it's just about taking the time, isn't it? You know, having. Um. Having all the time in the world or the attitude that I'm willing to sit here and just have put together this thing for you, this thing, which mm-hmm. is fairly simple. And you know that you're a long way away. There's, there's more information um, that mm-hmm. needs to be done. There's more influence that needs to be put into play. There's more content that needs to be there. 
before you ever get to a point where someone's in a buying decision. Well, they might be in a buying decision halfway through, but you're, you're still not uh, presenting much of anything to them in terms of that because you've still got something to say. It's not that you're really saying less. It's just you're taking the time to do it like the trees in Lord of the Rings. They think about things a very long time, you know, <laughs> a long, long time, sometimes centuries before they come to a decision. We shouldn't probably think in terms of centuries. That would be bad for our health. But, uh, but to have that kind of patience. And I think the world that we live in right now contradicts everything about that. It's just so counterintuitive to have the patience to put something very carefully together that um, exudes confidence. Because if you talk about a Brendan Burchard or, um, you know, the, the kinds of people who have the kind of message that you were, you were mentioning, the kind of clean, easy to understand, here's step one, and it's not really 12 steps covered up in just the number one. It's really just one step. And it's all you have to do. It's really the, incumbent upon the influencer to have that maturity to uh, go slow and, and, and allow mm -hmm. for people. And it, actually, then when you change your mind completely about that, it, it wraps around to make perfect sense in this world where it started out to not make any at all. I need to go fast. I've got to get the sale. I've got to do this. I've got to get this person really close to my center uh, as quickly as possible because of the way social and news and everything else is running right now, it makes people feel like the world is going away fast. We're losing time really fast, but time's not gone any faster. We've just had busier lives, and it sounds and feels like it is in certain places that we spend our time. But I just think that that's really important that people, because you don't have to get a lot of things right. I've seen people get marketing principles and um, technical things and things wrong but that they had the, the presence of mind to go slow enough to really digitally look someone in the eye and give that feeling that somebody actually cares enough to just ask this one question on a questionnaire or, or a, you know, a series of very short questions about one thing, that they have the time to do that is very unusual. It's just a pattern interruption these days because most people aren't doing that. Most people don't feel like they're being treated that way. So when they run into your thing, and, and you're doing something like this where you're really dripping things out and taking the time to work with people and show them that you're actually working with them instead of trying to push them through a system designed for them to buy something at the end, they have a really good reaction to that. And people's influence grows, their businesses grow, and I imagine you see a lot of that. You, again, you have a bird's eye view, of a, a parrot's eye view of this going on in, in hundreds of different businesses. Exactly. And, and it's again, it's taking it back to the human element. These are people, they have hearts and minds. And how do we touch that? And within the Evolutionary Business Council and the Institute, it's about relationship. It's a group of people. Majority of them have never met each other because they're some, you know, around the world in a, a different country. We have them in Australia and Germany and you name it, we just said have someone there. Um, so it's it's about how they connect, and and I think that's that is about all of this. Influence is about that relationship, and I, it sounds weird a relation, digital relationship, but because of the technologies we have, that's what people are creating. People, what well, it's thirty within the first thirty seconds of meeting someone, you you already have impressions of them. The same thing on your digital footprint. Are you stepping heavily on people's toes or are you gently guiding them so that they can benefit their lives? Because you have to be over there with them. What is their circumstance? What is their lives? What are they changing in it? You, you almost have to divorce yourself. It's not about you. It's about your message. But what can it do for them? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the world's greatest trust exercise. It's like the entire world is standing in a conga line and someone is standing next to that big line saying, go ahead and fall. The person behind you will catch you. Just trust. <laughs> you know, and we say these things. And, but at 3 in the morning and you're putting the finishing touches on something and, and you've been working for months and your book is about to come out. And, you know, 
that is the that's the moment where this lesson really comes into play. It's okay to talk about it here today with no pressure. It's a good time to be learning this lesson, but it has to really it really only comes into play when you're under pressure and you make that decision I'm going to be a you know, I'm going to be too pushy. Uh, you won't think of it that way. Something in the back of your mind will be starting to talk you into, hey, you need to be a little pushy. You've been working really hard on this launch. You've been working really hard on this stuff, so you need to put your copy this way. You need to cut out all these steps. They'll surely understand it by the time they get to step four, and then you can ask them to buy something or ask them to do something. Let's just move this up because you're so impatient because you've been working so hard. You deserve it. Those are the things that go through people's minds at like 3 or 4 in the morning when they're wrapping up, and that's when the mistake, I think, is made. And it's usually the mistake is, you're right, whoever it is in my head that's telling me these things and making me feel this way, you're right. I, I should just do it that way. And I think that's where a lot of businesses go set themselves up for a shock, right? Exactly. And, and that's where a coach comes in handy. And where within our, the Evolutionary Business Council and our Institute, that's what people do. We have a private Facebook group for our members. People will put on questions there. I'm in the middle of my book launch and this has happened. And then people who have gone through that experience will say, well, look at this or do that. Or, you know, you can, you build these relationships within the organization. You can reach out to someone who's had a book launch and say, this is happening. What the heck do I do? Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's that support that people at four in the morning, um, you know, they forget, I think, that they have a support network. It's perhaps a, a bit of sense is trusting. You, you talked about the, the someone will catch you. Trusting to actually just ask a question, what do you think of this? And having sometimes experience and sometimes it's confidence, but having the looking at the answer and is it appropriate for what you're doing, but it might save you that 4 a.m. mistake. Right. And yeah. yes, I've been through several book launches and they are harried at the end because technical issues happened. Um, Amazon, which is a great company, but they change their rules regularly. So you never quite know on launch day, is it going to go out how it's meant to? Um, uh, that, that's the nature of the beast. But but yeah, look at who is in your network, those you those influences and, and ask a question. You'll be surprised that people really want to support you and what you want to do. So. Perhaps the other component to uh, leveraging your influence is actually asking for support when you actually need it. Yeah. Well, when you have a whole bunch of people, a global network, so it doesn't even matter that it's 4 in the morning for you, you could still get an answer back because it's 2 in the afternoon for someone else, which is a good exactly. thing. But you have this network that's trained to spread their influence around, be very generous because they, they, they understand the principle of reciprocation and, and – um, and things happening down the line because they are that way, there's no better group. I mean, you know, you could take advantage of that, but I think that it's probably not a huge danger because a lot of people don't even take a very tiny bit of advantage of that, like putting out the question that you just mentioned just, you know, one time because they feel like maybe it'll be a stupid question, it'll be, it'll be an imposition, something like that. But if you find yourself in a group like yours, that's set up to be exactly this kind of thing and to be that welcoming and helpful and everything else, uh, you'd be crazy not to take advantage of that and when you need it. I mean, and especially in situations like we just described, that would qualify for a dire need that anybody would love to help you with, especially people who have been through it before, to help you like they wish someone had been there to help them at the time they needed it. Exactly. And simple things. It can be simple things. And I'm suggesting this a month out, not the day before. Ask for people to review your book. Say, hey, my book's about to come out in a month. If I send you early, an early release of the book, could you read it and give me a review on Amazon? It's a simple request. People are actually flattered that you ask them. And you get feedback about your book before it's actually published. Because they might, we, we have had people say, oh, there's a typo on this page or something's wrong with the formatting. Um, it actually is another way to get fresh eyes because after you've read the same book 50 times, 100 times, you can't see those errors, right? You can't see any inconsistency. So it's another way to give influence because you have respected these people enough to ask them to do this for you. 
And it's a way to also help you in your journey of getting your book written and, and published. Okay, crunch time. We're going to play a game. Okay. All right. I just decided, and I just made it up. Uh, but but <laughs> let's play somewhat of a game. So I have some influence. I'm a little bit starting out. You know, I'm not, I've been maybe doing mm-hmm. something for a year. I might have my book almost done, or I'm thinking about doing a book. I, I've networked a little bit. In my industry, I've gone to a, a conference, and I met some people. I have some business cards. Um, I'm, I'm learning about copy and how to use social media and things like that. I haven't had any big successes yet. And I'm asking you, what are the two or three things that you would recommend for me to accelerate, accelerate my leverage uh, and my influence gaining uh, as quickly as possible in the most ethical way, in the most important and impactful way, the ways that you described today we should be doing these mm-hmm. things. What are the first one, two, or three things that you can think of that you would tell such a person? Um, look at your already existing network and who do you have good, good working relationships, close connections with. Um, uh, make sure that you reach out to them first because often people are looking for that you know, bright, shiny ring and are trying to reach out further. But cement your relationships that you already have, and oftentimes it's just reaching out and saying, hi, how are you doing? What's, what are you up to? How can I support you? Um, then look at, say, look at the next five people in the world that you admire, like the Oprah Winfrey's, the Sir Richard Branston's, whoever it is. Start following them and see what trends that they're doing. You're, you're, realistically, you're not going to meet them tomorrow. But what is it about them? What are the themes that you're seeing that you're attracted to that you might be able to incorporate in what you're doing? And then start looking at their followers and start following them and see who follows you back. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. it's a different way to grow your influence. And the third thing would be take a day away from everything else, and look at what are your core beliefs and principles and are they really reflected in what you're doing? Because oftentimes we get on that little treadmill and we're so busy trying to get to a result. Sometimes what we truly believe gets lost in the shuffle and people don't really get our real core values. So figure out what they are and make sure that they show up and there's a consistency with it. Especially with emerging thought leaders, they quite often had a great idea six months ago. It got shelved because a bright new shiny object came along, and then there's those inconsistencies start showing up. So when your message comes out, people aren't drawn to it because there's something missing. Awesome. That was so perfect and well-timed because now I can tell everybody where to go and, and check out uh, your stuff. I see here that I have a link for Mass Influence the Book. Dot com. Is that a good link for people to find out more about the things we've been talking well, about today? Well, yeah, that's a gift. Um, I'm giving away Teresa's book. I asked her and she said I could. There's a free downloadable version of the book at that link as well as her 30-day influence challenge. So if you want to increase your influence over the next 30 days, it's a free uh, course that you can take. Just sign up for it and read her book. Um, we've had experienced people who've been in, you know, trainers and, and speakers in the industry for 10, 20, 30 years who've actually read her book and sent her messages. Oh, I didn't know that. And they've changed how they look at influence. So I highly recommend you that you, you take on that gift. I'm taking it right now. I'm filling out the form. Probably shouldn't be because I'm on the radio, but I am because I want it. <laughs> I have to kick it back to Gina, but Pam, this has been so fun, and I would love to talk to you some more. I mean, we only touched on the surface of what I think is resting in your brain. So I would really, really love to talk to you again on the show, but thank you so much for taking the time for uh, being with us today. And thanks, Jack. It's been a blast. Really enjoyed myself. Thanks so much, Pam. As you've been doing, if there are more EBC members that you know we need to have on Leverage Masters, please keep sending them on over. That's been fabulous. We've got a whole bunch of EBC members that we're going to be with over the next couple months. Awesome. And we will be back next week, same time, same place. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Thanks again, Pam, and enjoy Costa Rica. Bye, everybody.
Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.